You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Subscribe to Inclusion Revolution Radio wherever you get your podcasts. This is a podcast from Minute Media. This is the Yanks Go Yard podcast with Adam Weinrib and Thomas Carinante. Welcome to a Monday edition of the Yanks Go Yard podcast. We're back like Joe Judge. I'm Adam Weinrib alongside (laughs) Thomas Carinante. The Yankees make some lockout history. With a promotion for Rachel Balkovitz, we're going to talk about the rare bit of good news that we have to share. Also, the Padres gave the Yankees a blueprint for what they could have done with Eric Chavez. For all the haters saying the Yankees had no recourse, the Padres showed like 36 hours later that they definitely did. Also, new projections. I feel like we say this every day, but now the source is a little more trusted. Have the Yankees getting a real shortstop this offseason, along with a couple of other free agents who we thought were sort of off the table so we're going to talk about that and the yankees minor league system welcomed an old friend back on monday what happened there how'd that go down folks make sure to find us on apple Podcasts, google Podcasts, spotify wherever you get your podcast drop us a five-star review along with the mailbag question we'll be more than happy to answer it also join us on youtube live uh two o'clock eastern mondays and thursdays all off season long taking you through the non-existent winter maneuvers thomas carinante welcome to the podcast both you and i are one sports team lighter in our rooting interest this morning than we were when we went to bed last night. I think we're both good on the New York Giants for a while. Yeah, man. Good to see you. Um, Not great to be associated with the Giants whatsoever. Um, I regret wearing the hat last week. Uh, Just can't believe how things have transpired for New York sports in general. Uh, We give the Yankees a hard time. A lot of Yankees fans also give the Yankees a hard time. And while that might be justified to an extent, um, you will not see a worse run that the then the Giants have had since what 2016 until now um there is a different pedigree for New York sports the expectations are uh much greater um the finance the, the the financial situation here is um is elevated beyond most markets um mm, and the, the pressure in general to perform here is greater so when you're enduring a Cleveland Browns like run um which the New York Giants have been doing Uh, gifted good draft pick after good draft pick, having your pick of the litter with various head coaches over the last four or five years and just making all of the wrong picks and all of the wrong hires, uh, people are going to flip out and people rightfully, rightfully flip out because like I said, you're paying a lot of money to support this team, paying a lot of money to go to games, buy merch, whatever it is. um, And just unacceptable. Uh, I will not, I mean, I didn't, I tuned into probably two Giants games this year just because I knew it was going to happen. Uh, it's been declining for me. It's gone from like a full slate in 2016 to like 
12 games in 2017, so on and so forth. And this year it reached two. Um, just not going to do it next year. It's not worth my time. I don't know how this team's going to get much better, even with the two first round picks. They've been blowing it up with good picks for years. I know they'll have a different GM, but yeah, we don't need them. And I'd rather talk about the Yankees at this point. That's how sad it's gotten. Yeah, I didn't expect that to happen. I didn't expect my football season to be all about the 2022 New York Yankees, who, again, uh, ended 2021 in disappointing fashion. And we definitely spent like a week or two being like, I don't want to think about this team. I don't want to talk about this team either. Uh, but compared to the New York Giants, the, the might as well be the 1998 Yankees <laughs> that we've got put together in the Bronx at this very moment. And they have given us a reason to smile on uh, Sunday night, just as I was about done with the football season, ready to watch. Uh, I don't even know what I'm about to watch. The New England Patriots go on the road to Buffalo, tell everybody nobody believed in them, even though they have the greatest winner in the history of sports coaching them. Uh, I don't know. It seems like we're re- Tom Brady going to Philadelphia and beating the nine and eight Eagles and being like, wow, you counted us out again. Like just the absolute dumbest possible stuff. That sport is so predictable and so pointless. Um, so it's much more exciting to talk about the news that dropped right at the end of Sunday when I was in the middle of uh, football-related doldrums. The New York Yankees have not only promoted Rachel Balkovitz, who they hired uh, as a minor league hitting coordinator after the 2019 season. Her ascendance was obviously halted by the lack of a 2020 season. Uh, they brought her in as sort of a roving instructor at the minor league level. I know that she was supposed to work with a lot of the uh, lower-level GCL prospects, people who were just coming over from Latin America, the Yankees international signings, because her previous experience was with the Houston Astros. Uh, she taught herself Spanish to uh, be sort of a you know strength coordinator liaison with the you know the Houston Astros uh, Spanish-speaking minor leaguers. So that was supposed to be her old 2020. Obviously, pandemic season canceled. Uh, I think we all sort of lost track, didn't know what Balkovitz's position would officially be. 2021, she was certainly spotlit. Uh, she got a futures game coaching opportunity. So we all saw her on the national stage. It still felt like the progression of a nice story. I don't know if any of us knew how quickly it would evolve and where she would ultimately land. And the Yankees announced or, or you know released through Lindsay Adler on Sunday night that Balkovitz would be the low-A Tampa Tarpons manager for 2022, making her the first female full-time manager in minor league baseball history. Now, there are other women in the sport. Uh, Alyssa Nakin is, uh, you know, a Giants coach who is very much, uh, you know, prominent, works with the major league roster. That's a step up. Uh, I mean, depends on how you view these positions, major league roving coach or, or minor league manager. I mean, a field general is a really impressive job to hold at this juncture. And it, it clearly indicates to me the Yankees also see a major league future for Balkovitz in some capacity, considering their new hitting coach was a minor league coordinator who succeeded at the minor league level. His assistant, now that Eric Chavez is gone, uh, his lone remaining assistant was also a minor league coordinator who has been elevated. The Yankees, when they find success at the lower levels, they turn it into opportunities at the upper levels. And it's really hard to envision a more, uh, you know, a clearer path forward for somebody hoping to make, uh, you know, inroads at the major league level than getting a full-time managerial job with, She's probably going to be the manager for Jason Dominguez, at least at the start of 2022, along with many prospects who, again, have just transitioned up from that GCL level. Probably, you know, a lot of the international prospects first full season experience will be with low A Tampa. She's got plenty of experience in that field, and it's a really exciting move for the Yankees to have announced this. Awesome. Uh, congratulations to Rachel Balkovitz. Uh, that ascension right there is incredible. I know she's been in MLB in some capacity. She started her career with the St. Louis Cardinals back in 2012. I had no idea. So at that point, she was, what, 24 years old? Because she's 34 right now. Um, mm-hmm. 
I'm not entirely shocked. I mean, I'm shocked that the Yankees did something like this, and I'm shocked that they are the first to do something like this. However, she was a minor league hitting coordinator for the Yankees last year, and the Yankees' offense in the minor leagues, uh, you know, you you talk about Dylan Lawson, blew almost every other, uh, you know, uh, uh, pocket of the competition out of the water. Yeah. So this is – there's clearly some sort of uh, an alignment here on what the Yankees think she's capable of or know that she's capable of. And I view this actually even more significantly because you're talking about someone who's going to be managing the low A squad. Um, I know that sounds like it's the lowest job, but that's probably really important. You're molding these younger minds and these younger players who are going to take the next step to get to wherever they need to be. And you're kind of the first in line to do that. Um, So that just goes to show how uh, the Yankees hold her in high regard and how her previous track record has clearly translated into something this momentous because someone who's 34 years old, especially a female in this, in this job space, just based on the history of it and what it's, what the, the, what obstacles existed and how difficult it was to forget about, forget about rising the ranks, just breaking into the field. Mm -hmm. Um, She's made an impression. She's done a great job. Congratulations to her. I love the move. Um, I, I think her approach is clearly some, if the Yankees are, like I said, if the Yankees are doing this, they must love her approach. Um, because they're a results driven, you know, it's a lot of, it's a results driven front office and organization that that's looking at these, uh, these, these different, uh, coaching tactics as we grow into a new analytics age. She actually appeared on MLB now. I don't know how long ago that was. I did watch that clip this morning though. And she was talking about how the technology around, um, being able to evaluate hitters and, uh, you know, tweak certain things about their approach, um, has really boomed over the last five years. And she's been right in that space for that long. So, uh, congratulations to her props to the Yankees for doing this. Uh, another reason, well, I guess a reason to look forward to 2022, uh, just hopefully they don't let her, uh, interview for a promotion in the Boston Red Sox farm system. Wouldn't that be great Yankees? Don't let that shit happen. A week from now, just absolutely <laughs> bending tomorrow. Over. Oh yeah, somebody else had the same idea we had. Well, we might as well give them the personnel. Then that makes all the sense in the world. Um, you're definitely going to get the horrible. Tr- I mean, it's not even worth dignifying the trolls. You're going to get the trolls coming out of the woodwork doing the same thing they did with Sarah Fuller when yeah. she was kicking for Vanderbilt, being like, "Oh, are you sure you could?" Like, I understand why you did it, but there's nobody better for that job. I mean. It, it, <laughs> With Vanderbilt specifically, they were out of people. So, I mean, yeah. it was horrible circumstances that led to her getting a well-deserved chance, but she deserved that chance. Rachel Balkovitz obviously deserves this chance. I mean, you're going to have to trust us on this one, but the Yankees do not promote somebody like this so quickly unless they wholeheartedly trust the direction that they've been able to take their previous responsibilities. And it should go without saying. It doesn't go without saying because when you celebrate history like this, the worst people on the internet who've been empowered will pop out again to say, oh, so you just wanted to make headlines. You just wanted yeah. to celebrate your personal history. Uh, absolutely not. It's it's incredibly obvious to everybody who watched. Uh, she's had an extended history in this game. She's moved from prominent organization to prominent organization. And the Yankees gave her her clearest shot at ascension yet. They took her out of the strength and, and conditioning world and, and changed her role to a, a coaching and molding role and have given her a big promotion in that field now. So they believe in her. Uh, but yes, the history is worth celebrating. It's still momentous that this happened. So you you, you know you can't cater to the trolls. Uh, but there's just it's a lose lose when you're when you're dealing with people like this because yeah. 
you want to celebrate history and they're like, oh, so you just want to make news. You just want to make history. Well, I mean, they did make history. You can't avoid that. It's important to mention <laughs> that. But also, it's very obvious this was about so much more than that. Congrats to Rachel. Um, and before we transition into our next segment, I do want to read an ad read for another podcast that you should be interested in. If you're listening and you want to learn more about the mental toll of the sports world, look no further than the Players' Tribune's first ever mental health podcast, Blindsided. It's hosted by former NHL goalie Corey Hirsch and psychiatrist Dr. Diane McIntosh. The show will share the moments for a variety of athletes when everything changed for them and mental health became the most important focus of their lives. Breakdowns, insecurity, panic attacks, PTSD, addiction, sudden life changes. These are all sorts of things that we all think about on a daily basis. And when we watch our athletes go through them, we don't have the necessary level of understanding for just how difficult that would be for somebody who's balancing so many other things. So rarely do we view our athletes as human beings, but they're undergoing the same changes that any of us are at our worst. And it's very difficult for them to deal with on a national stage. And that's what Corey Hirsch and Dr. Diane McIntosh are hoping to create with this platform this podcast will allow listeners to have an understanding of the different types of mental health challenges people face. And yes, athletes are people. Guests this season include prominent names like Kevin Love, Paul Bissonnette, and Kurt Warner. That's the Players' Tribune's first ever mental health podcast, Blindsided, presented by Minute Media. I recommend you check that out. Now, in terms of uh, coaching news that leaves me a little colder than announcing the Rachel Balkovitz hire, when Eric Chavez went to the Mets uh, last week, spent about two weeks in the Yankees organization. I had to deal with a lot of people speaking for the Yankees, acting as mouthpieces for the Yankees, saying that, oh, you know, obviously, you know, everybody leaves for promotions all the time. And then when you counter and say, do they really leave for promotions after two weeks at their current job all the time? You know, this isn't reneging on an opportunity for a better opportunity. And this also wasn't, a well-deserved promotion after years of toil. This was somebody just jumping ship for a higher paying, better job at the New York Mets, a direct rival after two weeks. It felt unsavory to me. It felt unsavory to you. It weirdly didn't feel unsavory to a lot of people who decided to carry the Yankees water and say, well, what, you know, what team wants the reputation that they're going to be turning down their underlings when they have an opportunity to get a promotion? What, what organization wants to be responsible for vibes like that? Valid, sure. And maybe the Mets found a loophole. And maybe the Mets realized that the Yankees couldn't say no. That if they asked for Eric Chavez two weeks into his tenure, and obviously less than that because they didn't hire him overnight, how quickly could they have possibly asked for Chavez's services? Like two, three, four days? Steve Cohen seems to have figured out that, hey, if it's commonplace to give somebody a promotion if they ask, why don't we just ask Eric Chavez if he wants a promotion and then we can make the Yankees look like fools. That's what Steve Cohen did. The Yankees said, yes, the Yankees let Chavez walk away. Uh, done and dusted, right? All you water carriers saying, well, there's no other way this possibly could have ended once Steve Cohen found that loophole. It's like a boulder rolling down a hill. There's nothing we could do. Well, the San Diego Padres have Ryan Flaherty, former major leaguer, former Oriole, as uh, a coach on their staff. The Mets asked for Ryan Flaherty to interview for their bench coach job. Padres said no. Bench wow. coach is a promotion for Flaherty, too. Same situation. Padre said it's too late in the offseason. The lockout adds a lot of uncertainty. We don't want to be losing a coach right now. Thanks so much. The Yankees couldn't do that. All you water carriers, I'd, I'd love to hear from some of you now that we literally four days later have an example of a, another team with the same conundrum and the same offseason timeline 
arguably the Padres look worse here because they've had Flaherty in the system for longer. So they should have been more willing to clear him for a promotion because they know him. Because again, if, if you know someone and you love them, set them free is what I've been told. <laughs> the Padres know Ryan Flaherty. They said, absolutely not. We'd like to keep him. The Yankees just got Eric Chavez in the building and they already feel compelled to give him this promotion with the Mets. Give me a break. Yeah, I, he's the bench coach for the Padres, right, Ryan Flaherty? I don't believe he's, he is. He's not. I'll, I'll okay. look it up. They, because I thought he was. So the reason I'm gonna this is the reason to support the Yankees allowing Chavez to go. That usually, like you discussed, if there is an opportunity to get a bump in a job title, teams will let you interview, um, and that's that's not uncommon. What is uncommon, however is somebody taking a, and this is by multiple sources go to ESPN um I think it was Alden Gonzalez who did this story when it, it initially broke talked about how this is very uncommon very uncommon for someone to accept the job who Chavez never had any experience on an MLB staff never any experience on a single MLB staff it's very uncommon for somebody to take a job that they've never had before and then immediately leave for a promotion that they've also never had before so this isn't a situation where you know, the Yankees are holding somebody hostage, you know, a bench coach who's been a manager and waiting for three or four years and hasn't gotten his opportunity. This was a situation where it was like he took a job that he's never had before, had it for 11 days and then left for a, a, a better a, a better job, you know, seven miles away. My issue with this whole thing is that the Mets had all offseason to hire Eric Chavez as their hitting coach if they really wanted to. I know it obviously hinged on them hiring a manager, but not my problem. They decided to fire Luis Rojas. Not my problem. They took forever to hire Buck Showalter when it probably should have happened like within two days. So that's why there's anger surrounding this because it is an uncommon situation. And this is a guy who has no experience on a major league staff. Um, I'm done being bitter about it. I will admit, um, I know we have to talk about it now because we have another, there's another aspect of it in the news cycle. Um, But it just, somebody commented on the article that we wrote and was like, yeah, this is, this is common for teams to allow people to interview for uh, promotions elsewhere. And it's like, uh, yeah, it's common for that to happen if they've had previous job experience and if they've actually done any work. Eric Chavez didn't do any work for the Yankees. The Yankees did not. The Yankees did more work for him. They were hyping him up in the press conference, and then 10 days later, he's gone. So this is, this is it, once again, this is more of the Yankees, like, you're right. There was either a loophole here, or the Yankees didn't want to look bad for, like, misreading what the common practice was for people getting a promotion or being uh, being eligible for a promotion elsewhere. Um once again, baffling to me, it shows that they're pushovers. It shows that, you know, now they're back to the drawing board. Now they have to find an assistant hitting coach when they should be focusing their efforts on what this roster is going to look like post lockout. Um, I know the lockout's probably going to drag on longer than we had ever imagined. Um, so they're going to have a lot of time to evaluate the roster, but you got a guy who was seemingly going to be some sort of manager or bench coach in waiting uh, based on what you talked about, his capabilities would potentially be or how you viewed his fit as valuable under the current manager. And then you're just letting him interview elsewhere to leave after, once again, never having a coaching job before at the major league level. So this is not this was not a situation that was like, oh, yeah, no, that's like that's a natural progression for how things go. Wasn't at all. Very different. Very bizarre. Um, makes once again, said it last week, makes me think the Yankees are pushovers. Um, 
And uh, they're they're lucky they hired uh, they uh, hired uh, Rachel Balkovitz, or else th- we would be talking about this a lot more. And I'm glad we're not. Yeah, uh, Flaherty is the San Diego quality control coach. Yeah, I don't know what that is, but Ken Rosenthal made it clear in his article from uh, Sunday night that uh, the bench coach position quote it would be a move that would have been a step up from his current role yeah. as San Diego's quality control coach. So I guess that's a, you know, fine tuning, base running, et cetera, something at the margin. I mean, that's, that's more of bad practice. In my opinion, that's someone who has experience on a major league staff was getting a promotion mm-hmm. under a guy like Buck Showalter, mm-hmm. who he probably played under when he was with definitely the played under. So had, a, yeah, under. so had a relationship with him. So you want to talk about bad practices. If the Padres aren't afraid, aren't afraid to do that, then the Yankees shouldn't have been afraid at all to say no to somebody who they had just hired like 10 days prior and had, once again, no experience on a major league staff. So good luck finding your next assistant hitting coach, I guess. <laughs> well, we we actually know who they're targeting, right? Because yeah. uh, over the weekend, the rumor was uh, Mark Trumbo, Orioles slugger Mark Trumbo, who retired at the end of the 2019 season and like didn't even tell anybody that he was retiring <laughs> it was just, i don't think that's even technically a retirement it's it's not even like a, it's like a dave gettleman retirement yeah it's like oh yeah I, I retired thank you so much for uh sending me off in my retirement it's like you hit 212 last year with three homers yeah. asshole <laughs> you know you're not retiring what are you talking about um i yeah i don't, I, I can't I don't know. Look, I don't have anything. I don't have anything wise to say about the Chris Chris Davis, not Chris Davis. Uh, Mark Trumbo hire. Imagine if it's Chris Davis. I used Mark Trumbo and Chris Davis in the photo when I try to break that news on. It's all to bother everybody. But I have no comment on the Mark Trumbo hire. The the you know statements made it sound like he's a hot candidate too. A lot of teams have been looking at Mark Trumbo for a while. Okay, you can sell me on that if you really want to. It's clear the Yankees want a former player. It's clear they thought they had the right one in Eric Chavez. And it's clear maybe they did because the Mets knew it was a, a valuable candidate to punk them with. Um, I'm not ready to, you know, absolutely say... Somebody wrote a column this week that was like, the Chavez-Mets show alter poaching will haunt the Yankees for decades. I don't know. He's an assistant hitting coach. Who the hell knows? Yeah. And look, maybe he absolutely stands out as the Mets hitting coach. And then the Yankees fire Aaron Boone and hire him because he's, it's a promotion. <laughs> it's a promotion. You have to give the Yankees that promotion right back. Um, so who knows? He might not be out of their sights forever, but it's yeah. it, It's not a, a decades-long punking. Eric no. Chavez is not going to be floating through the Yankees clubhouse like a force ghost telling Aaron Boone you know, that he should have followed the righteous path. But – it, it you know it's it's pretty embarrassing and yeah. i don't think it's no, i don't think it's nothing i don't think it's shruggable like a lot of people seem to yeah it's like we're going now we're going in the opposite direction it's like this is not a shruggable instance but it's also not going to ruin the next decade of yankees baseball it's just a ridiculous thing that happened in an off season where you have to get your ducks in a row sooner rather than later given all everything that's happening and everything that's kind of cast over the sport at the moment and then you see this and you're like what are what are we doing here what's going on what are we um, doing here anyway don't really care it's done it's done chavez yeah is a Mets coach, not a Yankees coach, and it doesn't matter. What happened, happened. What does matter is who the Yankees are going to bring in when this lockout ends. We still have no idea. And if you you think you have an idea, you don't. You simply don't. don't. There are so many players out there. There is so much... There there, there is a a great lack of clarity about what the Yankees are going to spend, who they're going to trade, who they're going to trade for, what holes they want to more seriously fill than others. Um... 
You got the Freddie Freeman rumors. Hey, do they want to be that serious about first base? I don't know. Maybe seems like it. Matt Olson came up as a trade candidate. That could happen too. What about shortstop? Oh, don't know. Like the prospects. Not sure we want to block them for too long. So does that take out the top, top free agent shortstops? I don't know. They contacted Carlos Correa before the lockout, according to reports. Who knows? Nobody knows. Center field. Are they going with Aaron Hicks? I don't know. They signed under Inciarte. Maybe there's some sort of platoon situation. Does that rule out Seiya Suzuki? Don't know, but he did hint that he might go to the Red Sox mm-hmm. on uh, Koji Uehara's podcast. So once again, don't know. Starting rotation. What are they going to do? They need a number two. Is there a number two out there? Could be. Are you going to trade? Are you willing to give up prospects? Don't know. Still don't know. Bullpen options. Who are you going to sign? You need somebody. Got to figure it out. Also, do not know. Nobody knows. Nobody knows what degree they're going to go in for any of these positions, but there have been crumbs out there. Crumbs. And you can, yeah, crumb trail, baby. Crumb trail. Uh, chemtrails. Yeah, there's chemtrails. Uh-oh. Uh, and uh, you can, you, we can sit here and combine all the different positions, uh, all the different players based on price, based on pedigree, whatever you want to do. And we can come up with a certain package of guys who would satiate the needs. Remember center field or outfield depends on what they want to do with Joey Gallo. I don't think they're going to play him in center field based on all the indications that we've seen. So that would indicate the need for a center fielder. Um, Then you have shortstop, the most obvious glaring need. Uh, You got first base, you got the rotation and you got the bullpen. So what do you want to do there? So Ken Davidoff of the New York post Mm -hmm. decided to go ahead and figure and say, Hey, here's, Here's how I think the Yankees are going to address their three largest voids, first base, shortstop, and center field. He thinks they are going to end up with Anthony Rizzo, Trevor Story, and Seiya Suzuki. Mm. Trevor Story, important thing to note, he thinks the Yankees are going to come out of this with a, in a coup-style uh, uh, a heist, I guess one could say. Yeah. Five years, $110 million. I do not see Trevor Story accepting a long-term contract and getting paid less than Javier Baez. Um, you could sell me on a massive story one or two-year deal or a one-year deal with a player option, anything of that capacity. You're not selling me on a four, five, six-year deal in the low hundreds for a guy who's had a much better body of work than Javier Baez, in my opinion, at least. Um, I think I guess that's up for debate among uh, different circles around the league, however you want to look at it. Uh, Javier Baez is versatile, so that could that could weigh into uh, into the uh, beliefs there anyway. But ah, this seems a little wild to me, just because uh, if you're going to pay any of the shortstop options, why are you going to give Trevor Story a long term deal, and then I guess maybe block your prospects if that's what you want to do? Um, and uh, science, what are you doing with the outfield if you're signing Suzuki? Is that does that mean he's popping around left and right? Does that mean Giancarlo Stanton's not playing as much defense? I don't know. it's confusing. I think this is a little bit far-fetched. I also can see it happening. That's how, that's where we are in the off season. The pendulum swinging in every direction and don't really know where it's going to land. No. And I would have said prior to reading this article, I mean, Ken, Ken David have readjusted all these predictions Yeah, for, uh, you know, pre off season, mid off season, mid lockout. Um, I, if the Yankees could get Trevor story on an absolute steal, then I have no qualms with, with doing that and figuring yeah. it out. I've seen a lot of people talking about his regression, uh, you know, his defensive regression, et cetera. If it's under five years, 110, then I, I think you can do that and you can bury it if it fails. That's easy. That That's easy money. That's why that projection feels off. And by the way, Davidoff has Carlos Correa going to the Cubs, which would have sounded like the craziest possible thing two months ago and doesn't sound quite so outrageous now. 
especially since Baez is gone. Maybe that's where Rizzo goes. Maybe he comes back. If Correa goes to the Cubs, I wouldn't rule it out. Um, seems like he's the most likely possible returnee of all the Cubs trade pieces. Um, I'm not anti-story. I never have been, never will be. The Rizzo prediction feels obvious. It doesn't yeah. feel like a ton of calculation was done there. I find it bizarre that he updated his projections and still says Seiya Suzuki will be a Yankee. It makes all the sense in the world to use Aaron Hicks as your starter, put Andrew Inciarte on the bench, and if disaster befalls Aaron Hicks, which it will, move Joey Gallo over and have Suzuki play left field every day. In the interim, you can have you know Stanton and Suzuki rotate at DH. You can honestly have Gallo start in center field and move Suzuki to left field regardless, but it always works itself out. There, there's yeah. no way that Judge, Gallo, Suzuki, Stanton, and, and Hicks, nobody gets hurt in that in that mix. Two of them get hurt in that mix, I'm sure. There's plenty of room for everybody. Suzuki's got the adjustment of moving from Japan to the major leagues anyway. If you're just penciling him in for 155 games of above-average production right away, then you're telling on yourself too. Um, but the most telling thing there is it makes all the sense in the world for Yankees to get Suzuki. Rumor had it, he's basically a Red Sox done deal. I don't really even see there being much wiggle room at this point. I don't he know. followed the Red Sox on Instagram, didn't follow anybody else. As silly as that is, he unfollowed the Red Sox after he got caught, um, which sort of lends credence to it. It, it was yeah. nothing until everybody was like, hey, he's only following the Red Sox. Then he unfollowed the Red Sox. It was like, he wouldn't have done that if people weren't pointing it out. He went on Coach Uohara's podcast in Japan this week. And Koji basically was like, you're going to the Red Sox, right? And he's like, uh, I cannot say that. Um, it, <laughs> it really feels as if he is. Um, of course, he cannot say that. But, you know, I would bet. I mean, that feels like 75, 80% likelihood that he goes to Boston, especially after they traded Hunter Renfro with the horn. So yeah. then whenever the season resumes, they could just add Suzuki right away. They could do a press conference minute one as long as they they might have worked out the details weeks ago. That, that's why Renfro got traded, basically, to, to clear a spot for either Suzuki or Schwarber and if that wasn't the case then it's a really dumb move and if it was it makes sense to me um I was really surprised to see someone with an educated guess ducking back into the whole pool to just say yeah I still think Suzuki and the Yankees after all this time that that feels weird to me it does uh and I am not sure how I kind of view this because I think I think if the Yankees are not getting um, one of the marquee first basemen, if we're talking Freddie Freeman and Matt Olson, if that's, if that's on the table, um, yeah. I don't know why Rizzo would still be involved here. Um, because if you're trading for somebody, the Yankees still need to get a starter and you look at the market, they're more than likely going to trade for one more than that's, that's where the estimation lies. Mm-hmm. And you keep looking at the A's and these have three capable starters, all costing all, all that may cost varying prices, um, but I, I think if we were to bet this off season, we'd pencil one of those guys in, in the rotation. And I'm not sure why the Yankees wouldn't ex- expand the package with an Olsen. Maybe mm-hmm. they're thinking Chapman. I, I don't admit yeah. as opposed to that. And then they move Gio Rochella for another pit. Like, I don't know. I really, I, I have no idea. Um, but it's weird because those seem like all, uh, no offense to any of those guys. If we're talking about the Yankees upgrading on a mass scale, these seem like all the, the the middling options. Now I take Trevor story tomorrow, but it doesn't seem like the Yankees are sold out. I'm, I'm just talking about what mm-hmm. we've heard based on what the, I'd take Trevor story tomorrow. I'd pay him probably $175 million. Um, I don't know how the Yankees feel about that. We've heard not that we've heard. They haven't entirely been enthralled with him based on previous reports. We don't know if that's true. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you're taught, if we're basing it off of stuff that we've heard from various insiders, 
weird that the Yankees would go with the consolation prize in Anthony Rizzo. No offense to Anthony Rizzo, but you're talking Matt Olson and Freddie Freeman being available. That's a different story. Um, you're talking Carlos Correa versus Trevor Story versus uh, potentially moving Gio Urshela to short and trading for Matt Chapman. I don't, I don't know what I'd want there. Um, I just don't know if I, like I said, would give Trevor Story a long-term contract and then be sold on these prospects to the point where I don't know where I'm going to put Trevor Story in two years. Um, and then Seiya Suzuki, like I said, I take him on my team in a second, but um, making the transition from Japan, hardly a sure thing. Uh, there will be an adjustment period, um, especially if they're using him in a multitude of outfield spots. So um, not only does this seem uh, a little bit... Uh, of an overreach, but it also seems like a bizarre match of players from my perspective. We could all disagree. We could talk about it. Uh, but this seems like a, a very weird match of players where you're not really getting the best of the best, or they're not going after the players that they deem to be the best, or I don't know. I, it just see it, it all just doesn't make, it doesn't make that much sense to me. Then again, this is Ken Davidoff's opinion based on what he's heard, based on what he's seen in the past. He probably knows better than I do. Um, but like we said, we got a lot of time. We're still formulating thoughts. We're putting all these different packages of players together. It could end completely differently. It could end this exact way, and it could end up – I really don't know. But um, like I said, based on the the trail that's been out there of information, I don't know. I, I really don't know about this trio. I do get joy from any projection that has the Yankees making maneuvers just because I'm, so, yeah. I'm used to the frozen out version of the Yankees from before yes. the lockout. But the fact remains, they, they you know, Jim Bowden gave them the healthy dose of truth. They have a fourth place roster right now. I don't think that should be a controversial statement. They have a no. very incomplete roster. And so if if they are as silent after the lockout as they were before the lockout, they're, they're I mean, they're not going to compete. They're, they're no. no matter how you think the Red Sox are going to regress, I, I think they have a, a version of devil magic and some regression packed in there. And they might not run away with a wild card this year, but they're going to be good. The Blue Jays should have been in the playoffs last year. I don't know why they weren't. I don't know why we <laughs> kept them out. They were way better than we were. And the Rays are the Rays uh, eternally. And they have a full season of Wander Franco. And the rotation got way worse, but you won't notice. Um, although, you know, hopefully that's the dream with the Rays. That this is finally the year you notice that they cut bait on all their veteran starters. And it looks like it did in the ALDS last year. When it was like uh, Shane, uh, Shane Baz... And McClanahan, suddenly McClanahan was like the old man of the rotation who made like 16 starts. You're like, well, they can't beat McClanahan, but they might have a shot against Bass. It's like, why can't they beat? Everybody here sucks. These guys all suck. <laughs> um, and you watch them go to Fenway Park and get absolutely smoked. So your hope is that next year the Rays guys look young and inexperienced again, and maybe you can knock them off the pedestal. But right now the Yankees do not have a roster that can do that. So it would be an absurd miscalculation for them to not make moves. And, it, and not make large-scale moves because trading for Matt Chapman and calling it a day is not enough either. Um, but, you know, there, there's there's a version of me that doesn't have faith they're going to do that, and then there's a version of me that's like, it's impossible for them not to do that because they don't have a team right now. And if they're not going to fix the Gary Sanchez thing or really ensure against Aaron Hicks in center field, they need a shortstop they can count on. They need mm -hmm. an extra pitcher. They need a first baseman because they hate Luke Voigt. So there are positions they absolutely need, and they, they can't escape the offseason without figuring that out in some capacity. Um, now, somebody who is not part of the solution whatsoever, but still makes us feel pretty good, uh, Manny Benuelos. Benuelos is back. Yeah. He's back. Remember the Killer Bees? Remember where you were when Andrew Brackman, Benuelos, and uh, Dylan Batances were the three buzzworthy Yankees prospects, uh, and Mason Williams and Slade Heathcott and all these great names that you you, you know could, could envision leading the 2016 division champions, which they absolutely did not 
do. They didn't, uh, none of these people other than Batances were ever a part of the major league roster for longer than a couple of weeks. Ben Willis is back. Uh, he did make the majors after the Yankees traded him to the Braves back uh, for David Carpenter, I believe. Uh, and Jason Shreve. Yeah. yeah. But David Carpenter was the, the main piece of that package and he ended up being yeah. basically useless. Um, he, he made his MLB debut. Wasn't very good. Angels, Dodgers bounced around. Was in the White Sox. Uh, made Major League Baseball in 2019. 6.93 ERA in 16 games, eight starts. One of those starts was against the Red Sox. I remember he got absolutely bashed. I think he gave up nine or ten runs in the first inning. Real bad. Uh, but he went to uh, you know, Taipei, the the Taiwan Taiwanese Professional Baseball League, which plays in China, and went to Mexico mm. too, and, and had a 2.60 ERA in his final ten games of 2020, and a 2.51 mark in 21 games last year. He is now a bounce back lefty signing. He will be Triple A depth. But what a weird little reunion that I don't think any of us saw coming. No, uh, not at all. He's still young, 30, for a guy yeah. who, like, I feel like we've been talking about for over, well, we have, almost over a decade. Um, it does intrigue me a little bit. Uh, it doesn't get me excited by any means, um, but you look at his numbers, um, and I think he's uh, he's sub three over his last 32 games, mm-hmm. which is pretty good. Competition's completely different, but... All it takes and all it takes in baseball in general is just kind of rediscovering who you are, get finding that renaissance. I, I don't know if Manny Benuelos uh, has ever really discovered who he is. He had a few good years in the minors before um, he was coming up with the Yanks, and then I believe he had Tommy John that delayed him, and then they traded him a year later. So um, he uh, he had a bit of a roller coaster beginning to his career with the Yankees. Um, and then it kind of went off track when he was with all those teams you were discussing before. Uh, very bad showing in 2019, um, which led to his release. Um, but you look at Matt Blake, Matt Blake, our guy, Matt Blake, everyone's everyone's savior. Yankees got three left-handers uh, between last offseason and the trade deadline. Lucas Litke, who was signed in December of last year, and okay. you were like, What? Who is this guy? Great. It's we learned cute. more about him. We thought it was cute. Yeah. I mean, he had a yeah. Yankees mug from when he was a kid. Yeah, it was that very was nice. Yeah. Yeah. Um, then you have Wandy Peralta. We were up in arms about when they traded Mike Talkman. We ended up being completely wrong. I was completely wrong. Um, and then you have Joely, Joely Rodriguez, who was acquired at the trade deadline in the Joey Gallo deal. You look at all of these guys. All of these guys had career years as left-handed relievers in the on the Yankees pitching staff. Kind of unforeseen. Litke was out of the league since for like four years or something, mm-hmm. then came back. I, I don't, uh, I'll, I'll look it up right now as I'm talking, but you got Joely Rodriguez who arguably had his best 20 plus game stretch of his career um, since debuting back in 2016 with the Yankees. Uh, he registered a 2.84 ERA um, and a 3.01 whip in those 21 games that he appeared in. Litke hadn't been in major league baseball. Are you ready for it? Mm-hmm. Since 2015 with the Seattle Mariners in that year, he pitched in one game, 2.1 mm-hmm. innings of work. The last season you can even consider to be somewhat of a workload was 2013, 37 innings of work in 35 games. Uh, he was fine. 4.86 uh, ERA, 3.75 FIP, nothing, nothing special, but comes to the Yankees. First full season of his career, the arguably the uh, definitely the largest workload he's ever had. 72 and a third innings, 2.74 ERA, 2.84 FIP, 1.13 whip. 
Um, and then you look at Wandy Peralta, uh, Wandy Peralta, who is balling right now, dude. Is that the Dominican League or the uh, Puerto Rican League? I haven't even I haven't paid close enough attention. Yeah, Either way, it's got to be Dominican because he is Dominican. Um, absolutely throwing fireballs in that league, striking people out, showing off. It's awesome. Um, has his best career stretch of games, 46, uh, uh, 46 games with the Yankees, 2.95 ERA. That was his lowest mark. His next best season, I believe, was with the Giants in 2020. A fake year, 25 games, 3.29 ERA, but only 27 innings of work. He comes to the Yankees last year. in that It was an April trade, end of April, I believe. Uh, he appears mm-hmm. in 46 games, 42 and two-thirds innings, 2.95 ERA. His FIP, not good, 4.39. But Guess what? It kind of speaks to how he's able to get in. He's able to get out of jams if he's ever presented with them or if he gets himself into them. His slider ended up being a revelation. Uh, he was deployed in so many different, uh, so many, in so many different ways by the bullpen. So maybe Matt Blake knows what he's doing with lefties. Maybe he can, maybe he has this. We saw the uptick and changeups on the Yankees pitching staff and how it did wonders for a lot of guys. Um, Maybe a slight tweak in approach for Manny Banuelos can have him be a multi-inning guy out of the bullpen. That's the ceiling. I'm not expecting that, but you look at the body of work that's been done over these last, over this last year now, because I mean, you would assume he started working with Litke last December when he was signed. Reason to believe, little reason to believe here. And former Yankee, he's got familiarity here, so it's not like he's coming into the the New York situation or the 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 New York expectation uh, spotlight, and he's and he's all spooked. I, I, maybe he's gotten that part out of the way, which could be very helpful. I don't know, but reason, reason to believe a little bit here. Yeah. Wandy Peralta was the only guy you mentioned who was anything close to a guy entering his tenure yes. with the Yankees. I mean, Peralta didn't do anything in San Francisco that blew you away, but he was a major leaguer and you knew his mm-hmm. name when the Yankees swapped for him. Lately, you didn't give a second thought to him. Don't act like you did. You just thought it was a nice little minor league depth signing. When he showed up, you were like, whoa, Joely Rodriguez, again, somewhat projectable, but like terrible in 12 innings of baseball. So it's not like there was a lot of, you know, there was not a lot of rope behind him there. Banuelos, look, it sounds insane to even think about this, and it's definitely going to hurt that they don't have that much minor league time. Like the coaches can't talk to him tomorrow legally and be like, here's a throwing program for you. But, it, you know, it sound, is, it, is it really more ridiculous to say Manny Banuelos could have a role on this team than it would have been last year to say Tyler Matzik is going to have a role on the Braves? That's yeah. a flamed-out former first-rounder who lost home plate, who Rick Ankeeled it before 2020. Yeah. In, in 2019, he was out of baseball for good reason. He was definitely worse than someone who was putting up low two ERAs in foreign leagues. He was done with the game. He lost everything. He lost his fastball. He lost placement. Like, it's definitely, and he was the, you know, World Series MVP, arguably. He didn't win the award, but was anybody more important in the Braves' playoff run? Uh, him and Eddie Rosario? Like, and obviously Freeman. But, like, yeah. honestly. But if you take one of those, if you take one of him or Rosario out, it's, it does it probably doesn't happen. He pitched every game. He, yeah. he pitched, it took a long time. It took, like, two and a half weeks before he didn't pitch a playoff game. Yeah. It was huge having him. And, again, he was basically a nobody two years prior, a year and a half prior. So, it's worth considering when you think about all these things. Everybody's talking about Jimmy Cordero, who the Yankees took from the White Sox. Another guy who posted like a 5.9 ERA last year in limited duty. And people are sort of penciling him in as a bullpen breakout already. That's what's happening in the Yankees organization these days. So it's not insane to look at the most innocent possible minor league signing, a guy who the Yankees had in their system as a top prospect in 2012 and 2013, and say they must be targeting a reunion for a reason, not for depth alone. They got Nestor Cortez Jr. back. Yeah. 
they lost him and brought him back. And it was the same thing, like a retread from seven years ago who was never really an upper echelon guy. Why is he back? Now he's your five starter. Might be your four starter. Probably your number three most trusted starter when the playoffs rolled around last year. So you can't write any of these off. And uh, I think if coaching staffs were able to make regular contact with players at this juncture, you'd be hearing more about Manny in the days to come. Uh, as it stands, he'll probably be pretty absent until the lockout is over. But fun to dream on. And also 10 minutes of content for us. So look at that. Uh, what a Love nuanced it. discussion. We're smart guys. That is it <laughs> for this edition of the Inks Go Yard podcast. Make sure to find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your damn podcast. Drop us a five-star review. Along with a mailbag question, we'll be more than happy to answer it. Kind of got dead eyes there when I said that monologue. I'm very used to it at this point. Um, you can also find us live on YouTube, <laughs> 2 o'clock Eastern, Mondays and Thursdays until the regular season begins, whenever that may be. That will go three times a week. I think you'll be seeing more of us once the regular season rolls around. Until next time, I'm Adam Weinrib. You could find me on Twitter at Adam Weinrib, and you can read that below. Thomas Carinante, where can the people find you? At Tommy's underscore takes. Uh, one more note on Banuelos, folks. Crazy shit happens every year, every offseason, every, every every year. There's someone who pops out that you're never expecting and then never expecting to do much of anything. And then you look back and you're like, holy shit, this guy was almost out of the league three years ago. He blew his shoulder out. His, his fastball was 80 miles an hour. Just just keep it in the back of your mind. That's all we're asking. Uh, head on over to yanksgoyard.com. We got plenty of content there for you. Uh, a lot of off-season stuff. People are coming out of the woodwork here and there with some info. We're trying to connect the dots. Make some healthy speculation. Have some fun. Talk to us on the official Yanks Go Yard Twitter account at YanksGoYardFS. We're there all the time. Um, and next time we'll see you Thursday at 2 p.m. live on YouTube. Got the national championship game tonight. I'm going Bama. What are you doing? I'm going Bama. I'm not yeah. rooting for Bama. No. Something weird has happened, though, where I used to be a Bama hater. I think a lot of people are. Yeah. You just watch a dynasty win for a decade and you're like, get them out of here. Get them out of here. It's the same. It's the same people over. Get them out of here. They never have a court. There was also the time when they won every year and they never had a quarterback. Yeah. And so there was never <laughs> anybody interesting. It was like, oh, yeah, the best team in the in the, you know, collegiate ranks is just Greg McElroy under center. And, you know, there's no pro future there. And I'm just watching like I'm watching adults play defense against kids with a terrible quarterback. It always just felt very stupid, yeah. especially that one year when they had OJ Howard who made like mm-hmm. three catches all year and caught like 269 <laughs> yards worth of balls in the national championship. It's like, <laughs> who the fuck even is that? That's a, how do you even have that guy? Uh, so back then I was much more of a violent hater. Now I, I'd say of all the dynasties that won't go away, I definitely respect them the most yeah. just because of they've evolved. Um, they they really have evolved. I don't respect them because it's difficult to do this at the collegiate level. But no, it's not. And recruiting is fake. It's just money. There's no nobody has recruiting genius. It just means you have money. <laughs> a lot of people were talking about that when Deion Sanders took the Florida State guy. It's like, oh, we got to get a recruiting guy in here. It's like, no, you just got to drop more money than the other guy. Uh, so I don't think there's some like recruiting gods. I just think it's tough to keep a program up like that when everyone's been game planning you for 15 years. And they've changed. They, they haven't done the same thing for 15 years. They have changed. Mm-hmm. Uh, all that to say, yes, I will be rooting for Georgia, but I'm not uh, f- flagrantly anti-Bama. And I do think Bama wins by six. What about you? Uh, a wise man once said, you don't get rich betting against Nick Saban. I don't know when, wh- when before oh, a wise man, a wise man yeah. one time. Uh, last time they were underdogs for however long ago was the SEC championship game. They were like, they were six point six and a half point underdogs. They they wiped the floor with Georgia. I know they're missing uh, John Mechie, top wide receiver, um, but it's all about Nick Saban drawing up the looks, outsmarting Kirby Smart. 
Uh, I think that probably happens. Wouldn't be shocked if Georgia wins, but you're not going to give me Bama underdog twice in a season and expect me to go the other way the second time. It's not going to happen. Bama money line. Let's have some fun. Next time we'll see you guys. Like I said, Thursday, if we have more to discuss. Hopefully we do. Oh, hopefully. Uh, yeah, and we'll uh, aftermath of the Bama game probably for full 45 minutes. Uh, we'll see you guys. We'll see all y'all then. Underdog Fantasy is the fastest-growing fantasy app and easiest place to play fantasy sports. Just jump on underdogfantasy.com or download the app, draft your team, and that's it. And if drafts aren't your thing, they also have a pick'em game where you can win 20 times your money in a single night. Use promo code RADIO, and Underdog will double your first deposit when you sign up with up to $100 in bonus cash. Deposit $100? Get $100 free. That's promo code RADIO. Terms and conditions apply. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com.